listening to the Vintage Church Podcast. We exist to inspire people to live and love like Jesus. For more information, please visit our website at vintagechurch.net. We hope you enjoyed today's teaching. Well, good morning, church. Good morning, church. Amen. Hey, go ahead and grab your Bibles. And we're going to dive into the Word together this morning in part three of a series that we're calling Toxic. Grab your Bibles if you don't have your Bibles or you want to just follow along taking notes with us. If you'll go to the Vintage app, within the Vintage app is a notes tab and it has kind of an outline in the scripture that we're going to walk through today. And we are going to just see what God does, okay? Um, if you haven't been here for this series, um, I encourage you go back uh, online somehow, go to the app and download these two messages that we preached so far, this series called Toxic, because I think they'll minister to your hearts. If you've been here, this series helping you? Amen. Come on, this series helping you? Good, because it ain't been fun for me to preach. I'm just going to lie to you. Uh, and I've told you every week, this is a series that God put on my heart over a year ago, and I fought it and fought it and fought it. And can I be honest with you, this message today is the, one of the main reasons why I didn't want to do this series. Because what I'm about to teach, I just don't even feel qualified to teach. Like, like I struggled with this all week. Is Lord, like, why are, you, why are you making me preach this? Because I do not feel qualified to teach what I'm about to teach. And you know what the Lord said to me? Matt, you have never been qualified to preach a single message you've ever preached. So, like, why would you let that stop you now? Like, it doesn't matter the subject. You're not qualified. Because it's about me. It's not about you. Just be the vessel. And so that's what I'm going to try to be today. Because we're talking about toxic emotions. This whole series is us trying to wrestle with the emotions that, that heart jack us. The emotions that take control of our lives. And when these emotions become, in, when they get in control, when, they, when they're in charge, it's never good for us. And I don't know about you, but I've had times in my, lives, in my life when, when emotions have been what's driving me. Anybody else say amen? amen. Like, I've just been moments when, like, as a believer, with you, if you walk with Jesus, you have access to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, you're not perfect, but the Holy Spirit has taken up residence in your heart. He resides in you. The Bible says the same Spirit that brought Jesus from the grave is the same Spirit that lives inside of us. Which means even though we're flawed and imperfect, there's something in us that God is in us. He is in control of our lives. And the Scripture clearly tells us that we ought to let Him stay in control. The Spirit ought to be driving our lives. Nothing else. Not a substance. Not an emotion, only the Holy Spirit. But there's been times when the Spirit has taken a back seat to my anger. Amen. Yours has too. <laughs> there's been a time when the Spirit has taken a back seat to my lust. And so we've been talking about these things because it's dangerous. And we've been using this verse from Proverbs chapter 25, verse 28. It's kind of a launching pad. Look at it with me one more time. Proverbs 25, 28. Like a city that is broken into and without walls is a man who has no control over his spirit. Like a city who no longer has the protection of its walls. The walls are crumbled. And in this ancient times, when the first readers would read these Proverbs, they understood that a city without walls would be vulnerable to the attacks of its enemies. And when we aren't in control of our emotions, we're like a city whose walls have fallen. 
and we're vulnerable to the attacks of our enemy. And I remind you once again, you have an enemy. Come on. You have an enemy, the devil, who wants to mess with you. And when your emotions are in control, you are more vulnerable to his schemes. So we have to deal with them. And so we've talked about anger. We've talked about lust. But today we talk about a topic that we talk about depression. We're going to have a conversation about depression. And I'm going to go ahead and tell you, like, I, I'm not a psychologist. I'm not a psychiatrist. I need one most days. And even, I, even saying that word, like, I didn't even want to use this word. Because there's somebody in the room that you are, you've studied that, and you have a clinical definition of depression, and you're going to be judging me throughout this entire sermon. Shut up. Because I'm not working off like a clinical definition of the word. Because I understand like depression has degrees. Depression has degrees. And I'm not going to pretend like maybe, maybe what I've gone through in my life, maybe it's not been depression. Maybe it has. Because there's some people that, and, and, and I, every week I've, I've tried to be really open and vulnerable and talk to you about things that I've struggled with, and I really hesitate to do that today. I have had seasons in my life when I have woken up feeling sad and hopeless. I've experienced things that have just sucked the life out of me. And I'm hesitant to tell you those things that I've gone through because compared to probably what you've gone through, you'll be like, Pastor, you don't even understand, and I don't. But this is what I want you to know. Proverbs 18, 14. The human spirit can endure in sickness, but a crushed spirit who can bear. Because like this, this, this feeling of hopelessness and sadness that we often go through, and that I think, can I, there's some people in the room like, like you're happy all the time. We hate you a little bit. My dog got run over. It'll be okay. No, cry. You heartless person. Like, you, some of us know those people. Like, it doesn't matter what happens. Like, they just seem to stay happy, right? Like, you, there's not many of them, but like, I don't understand you people. I wish I was more like you. But there's time, like, I'm an, I've told you before, like, I'm, the, I'm an emotional person. I told you my wife has the emotions of an oak tree. Like, I'm an emotional person, so I'm all over the place. Like, I'm, I'm up and I'm down, and I'm, I'm just, like, that's just kind of how I am. But I think all of us, or most of us, deal with depression on some degree. Come on, y'all, talk, amen? Like, we, we, have, we have these feelings of hopelessness and this deep sorrow and this deep sadness that we experience based on a lot of different reasons from, from time to time. And the reason why I'm struggling to, to even teach this is because I know probably what I have been through pales in comparison to what many of you have gone through. But you know what God has been teaching me is this. Comparison will stand in the way of comfort. Comparison will stay in the way of comfort in two ways. It will stand in the way of your ability to comfort someone else because you compare your sorrow to theirs and you think they should just get over it. 
I'm not going to comfort them because they're really not going through anything anyway. I've been through a lot worse. Suck it up, buttercup. <laughs> it stands in a way of comfort. Or it stands in a way in this way. We look and we, we know we're feeling a way that we can't explain why we're feeling the way we are. And we're experiencing this deep sadness. But we watch other people go through bad things. And so we think, there's no way I can talk about that to somebody. Because what I'm comparing, going, going through compared to what they're going through is so small. I feel stupid even talking about it. So we just suffer in silence. Comparison will stand in the way of your ability to comfort and your ability to receive comfort. And so can we just go ahead and stop? Can we just agree not to do that today? Can you stop judging me and I won't judge you? Can you stop judging? Hey, can you stop thinking right now? I know depression like nobody else in the room, and maybe you do. But when we get into this, and, 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 and social media makes it worse, and it's just, we, we live in a culture where it's so easy to compare our lives to everybody else's lives because everybody else's lives are on display. A little too much. Can I get an Amen. And this emotion, I think, probably in the faith community brings more judgment maybe than any other um, emotion that we're going to talk about. It's funny. We, I think as Christians, as people of faith, we are probably at times more judgmental of people who suffer with depression than we are people who suffer with lust. Because you, you're a Christian. You have Jesus. You shouldn't be sad. You're a Christian. You ride unicorns and eat Lucky Charms and see rainbows all the time. Like, that's just the way it's supposed to be. Come on, somebody. Like, that's, has anybody ever else felt that? If you've grown up in the church like I did? It's like every, if we saw somebody who was supposed, well, you know what? They wouldn't be so sad if they had enough faith. How cruel we can be in this place. And we read verses like this when we even put the guilt on ourselves. Philippians 4, 4, rejoice in the Lord always. And I will say it again, rejoice. And I don't feel like rejoicing. And so I feel guilty because I'm sad. I feel hopeless and depressed. But I know Jesus and I've experienced salvation. And so we even, and you know what? We heap more guilt on ourselves. You know what it does? It makes us feel worse. And it just digs that pit deeper and deeper and deeper. And people don't find healing and don't find hope. So one of the first things I want to say to you is, it's okay to not be okay. Come on. It's okay to not be okay. If you're in this room today, and it took everything you had just to get up and get to church, and you would love to be able to throw your hands up and worship and celebrate and scream and be excited just like everybody else, but there's things going on in your life, and just to... We just should be glad you're here because it took everything you had just to get out of the bed and function. I just say it's okay to not be okay. And if you are not okay, it doesn't mean you lack faith or aren't godly. You know how I know? Some of our, our biggest biblical superheroes went through these seasons. If you're here today and, and, and you battle depression and you suffer through sorrow and sadness and, you're, and, you, and you question how godly you are, can I just remind you of Moses? 
Moses, we'd all think Moses is a pretty godly dude, right? Moses is one of those people that, that had one of the biggest impacts on, on, on our faith of anybody in Scripture. Can I just read you some things about him? But look at Numbers chapter 11, verse 14. Moses is saying, I cannot carry all these people by myself. The burden is too heavy for me. Anybody ever been there? Like the weight of what I have to carry for my family, for my business, the weight that the responsibilities that I have, do they ever just feel like they, that they're going to crush you? Like it's just too much. And you're battling with things that you can't figure out why you're battling them. You don't know why your child is going through that and this child isn't. You don't know why you keep experiencing this at work and these jerks keep getting promoted. Like you go through all these feelings. Moses, then look what he says though. If this is how you're going to treat me, please go ahead and kill me. If I have found favor in your eyes, and do not let me face my own ruin. Moses is so overwhelmed, he's ready to die. Right. Now again, I'm not an expert on depression, but that's got to be somewhere close to it. Right. To the point where he is so burdened and so heavy and so overwhelmed with his life that he comes to this position like, you know what? I'd rather die than keep dealing with this. That is a very scary and dangerous place to be, but that is a place that many of the people in this room have been. And the church has failed you. Okay, if that's not enough, what about Elijah? You remember Elijah? One of the most awesome prophets in all of Scripture, man. He was hardcore with his faith and what he had to experience. And he's going through all kinds of crazy stuff, trying to fight against a crazy king with an even crazier wife. And can I just read you the words? 1 Kings chapter 19. Pick up with verse 3. It says, Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. You know what he did? See what he did first? He withdrew himself from everybody else. It says he left his servant. See, one of those signs that we're struggling with this type of issue is we begin to withdraw from the people that can help. We begin to withdraw from the people that are close to us and care about us. So you can already see something is happening with Elijah here because he's withdrawing from the support system that he needs. He said, verse, look at the latter part of verse 4. Says, he came to a broom bush, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord. You've prayed that prayer. Lord, I've had enough. I cannot take another thing in my life going wrong. Take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. Then he lay down under the bush and fell asleep. Elijah, this superhero prophet. And you know what's, what's interesting about this story? Is, is, is chapter 19 comes after chapter 18. In case you didn't know that. I thought that was going to be funnier than it was, Dwayne. Uh, <laughs> Chapter 18 is one of the coolest stories in all of Scripture. Maybe one of Elijah's biggest victories because he is up against 450 prophets of another false god. And he has this showdown on this place called Mount Carmel where God shows up and shows out and does amazing things. So like he's on the heels of probably his greatest victory and he's depressed. You ever been there? 
See, sometimes our, our depression and our sorrow makes sense, but sometimes everything in our life seems to be going well, and we feel like crap. And we don't even really know why. You would think like that if anything would have given him confidence, it would have been the showdown on Mount Carmel. And even though uh, uh, this, these crazy people are coming after him, he were like, I know what my God can do. I just saw it, so come at me, bro. But no. He says, God... I'm done. I can't take it anymore. And then there's Paul. It's not just isolated to Old Testament folks. Pre-Jesus people. Look at Paul. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 8. We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about the troubles we experienced in the province of Asia. Look what he says next. We were under great pressure far beyond our ability to endure so that we despaired of life itself. So what we went through was so intense. The pressure was so much. It was more than we could take. You've heard me say a thousand times, the Bible never says that God, that God won't give you more than you can handle. Stop saying that. I hear Christians say that mess all the time. The Bible does not say that. Oh, you know what the Lord says? Well, never give you more than you can bear. Bull. <laughs> Every person in Scripture had more than they could bear. He says he'll never tempt you beyond what you can't escape. But as far as the calling in your life and the, what it takes to make it through, the, it will always, it'll never be more than he can bear. But it will constantly be more than you can handle by yourself without his presence, without him, without his people. But of all the people in Scripture, we got to talk about our man David. I read the Psalms, and I feel like I'm reading the journal of a bipolar man. Serious. I mean, you read the Psalms. One day he's, God, you're so good. God, you're so great. I rejoice and I praise you. Lord, where are you at? It's like my own journal. You see him write things like this, Psalm 6. says, I'm worn out from my groaning. All night long I flood my bed with weeping and drench my couch with tears. My eyes grow weak with sorrow. They fail because of all my foes. Does that not sound like a man who's just done? Great King David. This is a dude that one of the first things we see about him, he killed the giant like, you're talking about great victories. You're talking about great position. You're talking, so what I'm saying is depression, sadness, sorrow, no one is immune to it. No matter how wealthy, no matter what your position, no matter how many victories you've had, no matter how long you've been in church, no matter how much of the Bible that you've memorized, like nobody is immune to this emotion. So the question is like, how do, how do we deal with it? How do we deal with it? I think for me, when I'm feeling these emotions, I always think if I could just find the source of my sadness. Like, what's the source of your sadness? Like, when I'm feeling these emotions, when I have these seasons of, of, of sorrow or depression or, or how, whatever we want, like, what's going on in my life? And, and you know what? Like, I know a lot of my triggers. 
Like I know like a lot of times when I'm feeling this way, most often in my life, there's been seasons where I just have unrepentant sin. Sin will always bring sorrow. Come on, church. I know we're in church. Nobody likes to talk about sin anymore. But sin is real. Sin is the number one killer and destroyer of your life. And most often when there's, you know, because when I've had moments in my life when I'm caught up in sin, sin breeds paranoia and fear. And it brings sorrow. Unmet expectations. Unmet expectations are the breeding ground of discouragement. When somebody hasn't done for me what I thought they were supposed to do, and now I'm hurt. We're going to talk about bitterness next week. That's going to be even more fun. Sometimes I get my identity misplaced. Like, I'm a people pleaser. I want everybody to like me. I want everybody to think I'm great. And I find my identity in that. And when my identity is misplaced, because not everybody's going to think I'm great, and when they let me know they don't think I'm great, I take it personally. When people come to our church and then leave, and I don't know why, I don't see it as them rejecting our church. I see it as them rejecting me. And it's personal and it hurts and it brings sorrow and sadness in my heart. I go on and on. Like a lot of times there's a source of, of your sadness. There's things that are happening. There's, there's failed dreams. Not just broken dreams, failed dreams. Dreams that are gone and they're not coming back. There's wounds from the past that we failed to grieve. That's another thing. Grieve. Grief is a gift from God. It is not a symptom of the weak. And one of the big reasons why so many people in the church are hurting is because we have wounds from our past and we've never had the confidence or the courage or the encouragement to grieve it. Grief is a natural process that God's built in your heart. And so many of us, so the source of our sadness is a wound from five years ago or 10 years ago or 20 years ago that we never grieved and it's still open and it's still festering and it's still causing all these issues and you will continue to be sad until you have the courage to grieve. And you will say, Matt, it's been 15 years. It's not too late to grieve. And start to find some healing over that. But you know what? Sometimes you don't know how to answer that question. You say, Matt, if I could find the source of my sadness, I would deal with it. But I don't know why I'm sad. And I've talked to people, and maybe a psychologist or people, again, a lot smarter than me, like, no, you've got to dig down deep into it. You've got to figure it out. But sometimes you just wake up, and you're just sad, and you, and you don't know why. David was like that. Always, I'm glad I have the Bible to prove what I'm saying is right. Because it is. Okay? David writes this. Psalm 43, 5. Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? See, I think there was times David was battling depression and he couldn't figure out why. 
Like he couldn't find the source of the sadness. He just felt the way he felt, and he couldn't uncover it. Why? And if he could, maybe he could have found some relief. And I think there's some people in the room, like, you're, you're there. You're like, okay, like, Matt, I really don't know why I'm hurting. Not even sure I have a reason to be, but there's maybe, maybe there's just something physiologically that's happening in your body. That's a real thing, church. Come on, it is. And maybe, maybe you don't know why. But you're just not okay. For whatever reason, you're just not okay. It's okay to not be okay, but it's not okay to stay that way. Because if you get stuck there forever, eventually something bad's gonna happen. It's okay to not be okay, but it's not okay to stay that way. Remember what Sol- Solomon wrote in Ecclesiastes, the wisest man that ever lived. He wrote a lot of our Psalms. He wrote the book of Ecclesiastes. He was a man that he had his issues too, especially with the ladies. But he wrote, you've read this, or you've heard it in a song. Ecclesiastes 3, 4. But Ecclesiastes chapter 3 says basically there's a time for everything. For everything there's a time. And in that, he writes, a time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. In other words, there's a time for you to be happy and full of joy. And you know what? There's time to weep and there's times to mourn. Like that our lives are going to include both. And then, like, so the question is, okay, how long is it? How long can I stay there before it's too much? I don't know. Thanks, preacher. Like, I don't know. If you have some person tell you it's time, it's been enough, tell them your preacher gave them permission for you to punch them in the throat. Because who's to say? I don't know. And again, maybe there's some psychologist that you can go and you can hang out with who's smarter than me and he can tell you, like, on April 30th, 2000, no, no. Like, I don't know how long is too long. Like, I, you see, David, again, restless Psalm 13, 1 and 2, it says, How long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? Like how long, how long? And I don't have, I don't have an answer for you. I don't know how long. But this is what I want to say to you. You can't get over it. You have to go through it. And can I give you some advice, people? Stop telling people to get over it and start helping them get through it. See, I've said that to people. Dude, just get over it. Just get over it. It's time to get over it. And you know how ignorant and insensitive that is? I... When you're going through this kind of thing, it's not something you can just get over. That you can just leap across. You can't get over it. you got to go through it. And I don't know how long it's going to take you to go through it. But also, look, remember 
Look at the next part of that psalm I just read, Psalm 13, where David was asking how long. This is what he says next in verse 5. He says, but I will trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praise, for he has been good to me. I would love for this to be the part where I give you this good action plan that'll bring resolution to what you're feeling. Because that's what I like to do. Like, that's how I like to preach. I like to come in here and give you something like, all right, guys, this is the issue, and now you do these several things, and here's the formula. But depression ain't math. It's real emotions and feelings. And, and today, I don't have anything to say that can give you resolution. But what I want to do is just allow you to be in his presence. And this is what God has taught me in these seasons. Because see, when you're going, one of the reasons why you feel these emotions is because you're like David. You feel like you're going through this and you're crying out to God and he's quiet. Notice how many times David says, God, where are you? Like, I'm suffering, and I'm hurting, and I'm in pain, and I'm going through this. And you're not here, and you're not speaking, and you're not saying anything. And I just need you to talk to me and comfort me and come to me. And God is just silent. Don't mistake God's silence for absence. Just because he's silent does not mean he is absent. He is still there. He is with you. And that's what I know. That in this season, in this struggle, can I invite you to lean into what you know. And what you need to know is your heavenly Father is with you. While you're suffering in sorrow, he is not looking at you in shame. Your heavenly Father is watching, and there is not a tear that's ever fallen from your eye that has gone unnoticed by him. So would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me? I just want to read some verses to you. Would you just hear the word of the Lord? Psalm 40, I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and mire. He set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and fear the Lord and put their trust in Him. Psalm 34, 18. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. Psalm 147, 3. He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. Isaiah 43. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will, not sleep, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. For I am the Lord, your God, the Holy One of Israel. Matthew eleven thirty. Jesus says, Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. 
Take my yoke upon, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I don't have a four-step process to bring resolution to your sadness. But I have a group of people that are in this room that just want to love on you and pray for you. So I'm going to ask some of those who have been already asked to be a part of a prayer effort today, would you begin to just surround this room? Around this room are going to be people who love you, who care about you. Here's, here's what, I tell, this is what I tell you as your pastor. I can't solve your problems. Our church can't solve your problems, but we will help you carry them. And that's what these people around the room are here to do. So in just a minute, I'm going to pray, and we're going to worship. And would you have the courage just to go speak to one of these people around this room and let them pray for you, let them hug you, let them hold you, let them lift you up. I'm also going to be down here at the front myself. Or maybe you just need to sit there and soak in the presence of your Heavenly Father. So I'm not going to invite you to stand or anything like that. In just a moment, we're going to sing a beautiful song that's going to minister to your heart. And as we do, would you just allow the presence of God to soak in Him today? That you know what? You're going to walk out of this place and those same problems, those same issues are going to be there. But you know that you're not going out alone. And that you have God with you. Father, I pray right now, Lord, that you would use this time, God, to help people in this room who maybe have been suffering in silence for far too long to find hope. God, I pray that you would give people the courage to get out of their seats, walk up to one of these amazing people around this room to share with them as much as they're comfortable and allow themselves to be prayed over and prayed for. God, move and stir. Every head bow, every eye closed, just as we worship this morning. Whatever you feel led, if you want to stand and sing, stand and sing. If you want to kneel, kneel. If you want to sit and pray, but take advantage of these people around the room. They are ready. They want to pray over you right now. Thanks for listening to the Vintage Church Podcast. For more information, please visit our website at vintagechurch.net.